Where is your army now, Jedi? Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 273, Rebels Finale. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Kanan Jarrus to my chopper, we have Carl LeClaire. I love Kanan. Thank you. Thank you so much. R.I.P. Kanan. <laughs> I know. I know. Or completely. I should say R.I.F. Rest in the, rest in the force. <laughs> rest in the force. There you go. <laughs> Should not, not a laughing matter. Oh my goodness, Jason! Um, I I loved your tales of the Larians from last week. Um, so awesome listening to David's tales. Um, I I love that segment. I I feel bad we've been away from it for so long, but I'm glad you were able to to get one recorded last week while I was away. Yeah, I know it was a lot of fun, and and David was great, and uh, it's gotten me re-energized of wanting to make sure we we catch up on some of these because we do have a backlog. Yes. I think we've got a couple emails. Oh, yes, we do. And I we think have... we've got a couple more emails this week of people going, hey, I'd like to join. So, yeah, right. maybe we should get back on that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, sadly, without my Star Wars story running anymore, this might be at least a light version of that. So, yeah. But um, who knows? I, I'm still holding out hope that, that Scott Rifen will pick that back up again someday. Uh, I know, me too. It's such a great show. It is. Um, God, if you're listening, I want an episode. I was supposed to be next. Poor Jason. I fought so hard to get my spot on there. I'm so glad I was able to do it. But like, like I said, I mean, I recorded it and then a year later it came out. So, right. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, we obviously have quite a bit to talk about in this episode with the, the finale of rebels. Um, and of course we want to talk about, um, our dearly beloved Kanan. Um, yes. But of course, before we get into that, that discussion, we have a uh, poll from last episode where we asked you all what your favorite musical moment in the empire strikes back was. And uh, once again, got a lot of responses. What did they say? My good friend. Well, they said quite a bit and it's quite spread out here. So bear with me a moment. Um, in fourth place with one vote each, we have, uh, the moments where John Williams doesn't use music because they're very strategic. Um, we have Vader's Force Storm, where he uh, is, you know, throwing things at Luke as they duel on Bespin. Um, I think that was our buddy Steve Glosson um, who picked that one. Yeah, which created quite a bit of buzz too. A lot of it did. Were, a lot of people were commenting it, on that. Um, yeah, there was. There was. We actually got. Several of our fellow podcasters who commented on this one, so, you know, they they'll come in and and comment occasionally on stuff, but we had like three or four all on this one post, which is kind of exciting. 
Yeah, I, saw I guess Chris I, Smith, Steve Glosson, Mark Newbold. I was like, oh, we're we're special, you know. I love when Mark Newbold participates. That man is a legend. He is. He's a legend in our mind, um, right? Not his own. <laughs> <laughs> He's far too humble. Much He's like too- much like Steve. That is true. That is true. Steve is a legend. Anyways, um, let let me continue on with uh, the uh, fourth place with one vote. Um, we also have the moment that where Vader is watching uh, during Han being frozen in carbonite. Um, Luke versus the AT-AT. Uh, Rogue 2 finding Han and Luke. And then mine is the Falcon fleeing Bespin um, the, with, with the executor in pursuit. Uh, the strings and the drums, you know, it's very intense and, you know, that part in particular. I always like that. Like and part? it always. Is this it? Yeah. Yeah. There's so this much good. good music in this movie, and I'm not sure why that always stands out to me, but I love that moment. So, you know, what can I say? <laughs> it's so good. It is. It is. But I think we have yours next, Carl. Um, in third place with three votes, we have Yoda's dissertation on the Force, um, which is very magical and mystical. Yeah. Um, and here's and the, then I can't do. I'm just gonna play it real quick because of course that's the advantage you have when you're the host. Here exactly. <sighs> Those chimes in the background. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's almost like mournful, right? The way the strings are playing in the background there. I mean, it's it's there's almost there's a sadness in it, right? Like this the force is and to me kind of like it's mourning Luke in that scene. It's mourning Luke's lack of belief. Um, but it, right, it, it, I like that it's kind of these two parts. I mean, obviously so many of us love the force theme and the force theme shows up throughout all of Star Wars um and you know, numerous different ways, right? It's the same musical notes but just the way they're played obviously you know connotates a different type of emotion so the beginning part where yoda's talking about the force you have those beautiful chimes right it's this very magical um beautiful moment and then it turns into this more solemn and mournful sounding force theme which to me is like the the, like i said the force is kind of mourning luke's um doubt luke his his lack of belief belief wow belief (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it's great. Um, and actually, the the moment just after that, um, hit number two, uh, as well as a few others, uh, with four votes e- each, that's uh, Raising the X-Wing out of the Swamp, got four votes. Um, the sprint to the Falcon um, on Bespin, as the as Lando, Leia, Chewie, and R2 are, are escaping the Stormtroopers and rushing to the Falcon, the big sweeping moment as the, the door opens and they dash out. Um, that got four votes and then, um, the Imperial March in general, Mm. um, they didn't give me a specific Imperial March moment, uh, but in general, Imperial March, of course. And then number one, uh, with seven or excuse me, eight votes. So this should come as no surprise. Uh, the asteroid chase, um, (laughs) 
Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, for a split second when we posted this, I was like, huh, I wonder what's going to be number one. And then I as was, soon as I started seeing them come in, I was like, oh, right. Right. <laughs> I honestly had no idea. Um, but right. The, the entire asteroid field piece is, right, it's kind of rooted in the Imperial March as we've, I mean, just listening to 30 seconds of it, you hear the Imperial March like three different times. So Right. right and which obviously makes sense because it's it's all about the, the pursuit of the Empire. Um, you know what's funny, though, Jason? Um when we did this poll, like right before we started recording, when you asked me what my favorite moment was, I struggled because I, was, it's, I love Empire Strikes Back so much that it's hard for me to pick moments in any way for this film because it's to me, it's just the entirety of the film is what's so beautiful and perfect. Um, so, I mean, I just went with what is most naturally like, okay, the music really peaks me here, but... There's one moment, and I don't think it was on our list, and I want to give a quick honorable mention because, by the way, I love that on last week's episode, David did lots of honorable mentioning, um, which was oh, yes. great. We've, yes. we've really um, outdone ourselves with that. Oh, we, have, we have trained them well, and sometimes it comes back to bite us. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue something up really quick. I think I know where it is. Um, okay. I should. The Empire Strikes Back is like in my blood. Um, oh. It's in your blood. <laughs> yeah. At least in your br- in your brain and in your soul. All right, here it is. Is they're they're approaching Cloud City? The uh, right there, those voices. The siren song. Yeah. Which again, the only way I would have ever picked up on those those high soprano notes, it, mimicking like the siren song was. Beautiful, wonderful, amazing David W. Collins. <laughs> yes, back in the Star Wars Oxygen days. Although he did launch his own new podcast now. Um, it's like soundtracks in general. I exactly, think it's not just yeah. Star Wars, right? I have. I know he's had one episode come out. And I haven't listened to it yet, and I need to because anything yeah. he does is such high quality. It is. Um, yeah, I know. I, I need to go look that up too. But I, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of some of my backlog of podcasts first, and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, that moment to me is is definitely an honorable mention just because the music in general is beautiful, but just that subtlety of the siren call. I mean, that that shows the genius of John Williams um, just yeah. to root that in something so classic. So cool. Yeah. Who, by the way, I think is retiring. Yes, he has announced episode nine will be his last of the Star Wars soundtracks, which makes sense. It does. And, and I honestly, I was just glad that he made it through the, the sequel trilogy. I, I didn't. I know. It's unbelievable because he's nine, and, he's 91. Uh, he's he's almost as old as Christopher Lee was before yeah. he passed. So, um, you know, it's it's amazing that he's still working. I know. it. You know, and it's such a high caliber i won't say it's as high as you know what he he's has done in the past obviously but it's still such quality caliber stuff oh for sure so, um but yeah good but we're, we're not here <laughs> to discuss soundtracks this episode <laughs> no no we're not um but uh yeah so obviously rebels is now over which is really bizarre it felt so fast um 
And what year did it start? Well, I mean, they, 2018, so I guess 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it started the like essentially the fall, the the year before Force Awakens came out. That was the first, right? It was the first Disney project. Yes. Um, yes. And I'll never forget watching the premiere because I went down to New York City with Joe Hogan and that group of guys, and we went over to our buddy Steve's house, and uh, we all watched it together, and we were all just like really impressed and amazed at how fun that was, and you know how amazing this journey was going to be, and then. Um, we got so much good stuff over a couple of seasons. Um, to be fair, I know Rebels, def- from the Star Wars community I've heard voice, um, it doesn't seem to be as popular as Clone Wars was. Um, to be fair, Clone Wars had a lot more time to play with things. Yeah, um, and their their seasons on the whole were longer too, so there's just more content. Exactly. Uh, I think the highs of Clone Wars have really aged well in the minds of star Wars fans, right? The highs of clone wars have really, you know, embedded themselves in the consciousness. Um, I'd give it a few years. Rebels might ascend, you know, moments of rebels might ascend to those heights, but I think overall rebels while clone wars definitely had its high moments. It also had its low moments. And I think rebels kept things a bit more on an even keel overall than clone wars did. Um, not to knock Clone Wars because I love it, and I think I still prefer Clone Wars to Rebels simply because of the the you know the Jedi action and all the you know the characters uh, that I'm invested in. Um, but Rebels was great, um, so I, I'm gonna miss it. I know, me too. Um, I I do have like I do have a few overall issues with Rebels, but I'm gonna save that for the end. Um, cause I don't like starting things on a bad note and it's not even bad. It's just, it, it, I still feel like they, they could have gone easily one more season. Um, yeah. Or at least one full season, you know, cause this season was truncated also. If I remember. Yeah. Correctly. It was like 17 or 18 episodes. Yeah. Um, so add four more episodes in there and right. You know, right. Exactly. And there, I mean, there was some stuff that was also like really throwaway. Um, I mean, Clone Wars had plenty of things, in my opinion, that were kind of throwaways as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, but uh, I mean, overall, what I loved about Rebels, um, and I think as far as like sitting down to watch sequentially, I would prefer this to Clone Wars only because it's one distinct story, right? Clone mm-hmm. Wars is, it, it, and it makes sense, right? Like they're not meant to be the same, same style in that way, right? Clone Wars is more of a serial Whereas Rebels is a story. It's a, it's a drama cartoon in a way. It's right. the story of a family. Um, and uh, I, I wish that story was told a little bit tighter. I really feel like season three and season four, um, a lot of a lot of the t- to me, the first season was perfect, literally perfect. Like I loved the first season of Rebels. It's by far the best season, even though we've got great stuff in the other seasons, like some great standout episodes. I think as an overall season, the first one was so good. Um, and then that story really became a lot more loose, if that makes sense. Like I, I felt like the storytelling was really tight. Everything mattered. Everything, um, you know, just had its own import. Um, but it got too big for itself too quickly, in my opinion. Um, and they tried to cram too much. And then there's so much still that's unresolved. Um, so right. Like Dave Filoni was very clear, like how happy he was that he got to, you know, end the series on his own terms as opposed to clone wars. 
but there's still so many things that are left unanswered. And again, like that's a good aspect of Star Wars, right? Not having all the answers, leaving that room for speculation and wonder mm-hmm. um, and future storytelling. But I think there were a lot of, I don't know, there's just, there still seems like a lot of things like just kind of get passed by. Um, and it is what it is. I, I think it's fine, but um, yeah, I just think uh, Rebels got off to a great start and really came unraveled. Um, each subsequent season was less exciting than the one before it. Um, the finale is amazing. Like these last few episodes were great. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the in-between stuff, just things kind of got, I don't know, loose storytelling in my opinion. Um, I, I'm not going to go that far. Um, I, I will say that I there was some stuff that didn't excite me as much as I had wished it had. Mm. Um, but uh, overall, I think it was pretty solid. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be as critical as you are on this. Um, not to say that that's better or worse. It just is. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the way that they wrapped this all up, it, it was really well done. Mm -hmm. It was really well done. And, um, I think they left open the doors that needed to be left open mm-hmm. um, and left questions unanswered that didn't need answering. Um, I think the important questions for the show, mm, those all got answered, got answered for sure. Um, but part of it is that they're also developing a larger world, a larger universe with all of the other expanded material and the possibilities of always going back and forth within the story to tell different things and that sort of thing. And so in all likelihood, some of these things that left got left unanswered will be brought back up in future material, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so as I've said before, I'm a patient man and I will wait for those. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, the finale was fantastic, but and that's what we're going to really focus our discussion on here tonight. But there was one thing that happened in the second half of season four that we would be remiss if we did not talk about. Um, and Carl, go for it. <laughs> you got it. I know what to say now. I love you. Must be the truth here I'm talking. No. It's me. All me. Fuel. I gave you a direct order. 
We apologize if we made you spontaneously burst into tears while on your commute. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will freely admit I sobbed uncontrollably when I first saw this. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I've, I've thought since really the start of the season that Kanan would die at some point, right before the series was over. I had a feeling Kanan would die. I did not see right. him and Ezra surviving. I, 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 again, I, I would have thought he, and I mean, they all could have potentially died, right? Well, until rogue one came up, then we know at least hair is alive and chopper. Um, right. But, uh, I, I really had a strong feeling that Kanan for sure, was definitely going to be the one to go. And the only reason I think they wouldn't, they didn't kill Ezra is mainly because he is a, he is essentially the star of the show and it's a kid show and he's a kid. So, um, killing Ezra would have been difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, what I didn't expect was Kanan to die right as we started up the, the second half of the season. Um, yeah, I could have again. I kind of expected him to die some point in the finale. Not that early. I mean, it's not like it's that early. It's only a few episodes before the finale, but it's it's still a lot earlier than I was expecting. Um, yeah. And to be fair, like sometimes I and, and this is true of both Clone Wars and Rebels and probably cartoons in general. Um, you sometimes you see our characters do like unbelievably crazy, cool and good things, very powerful things. And there's like these little things that somehow best them. Um, but again, I think when it comes to like a cartoon, like you, you do what you have to do. You use story elements to essentially tell a story, right? Like you, you, you make something as powerful as it needs to be to tell a story. You make something as weak as it needs to be to tell a story. Um, mm-hmm. Like what essentially kills Kanan to me would have been like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, he would have just like force pushed them out and force jumped himself out. Like we've seen Kanan get out of stickier situations than that. But again, at the end of the day, right. It's, it's about doing something for the story and it makes sense. Um, and uh, I think you and I could both say, and I'm sure a lot of you listening could agree that I'm not surprised Kanan went out sacrificing himself. That doesn't no. surprise me at all. No. Um, what what did surprise me, like, like you said, was just how early it was because um, they spent the rest of the season figuring out essentially how to continue to move on and, and operate without him, you know, yep. uh, which was great character development for the rest of the crew. Right. Uh, it was really great stuff for them. Um, and also what, I don't know if what surprised me, but uh, what caught me way off guard was how emotional the whole thing was. Um, Because like you said, we've been speculating about Kanan dying since the end of season three. I'm pretty sure people had at one point thought that he was going to die during season three. You know, it's not like, you know, his death is, not been discussed before, even on our show, we've talked about it, you know? Um, And 
I watched this episode a day or two late and I'd already kind of seen conversations going around that gave me the idea he was going to die. Um, and of course, all the stuff leading up to the moment during the episode, I was like, I've got a bad feeling about this. I don't like where this is going. You know, I could see the writing on the wall. I was ready for it and it still sucker punched me. You know, it still got me. And then of course his eyes turn green or, you know, turn back to life again. And I'm just like, Oh, you, you kill me. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't have the words to describe how well this works for me in such a, you know, emotionally raw way. Hmm. And that's to me such a huge feat that they were able to accomplish that with a cartoon. Right. Yeah. You don't, I mean, cartoons certainly, I mean, I, I'm not that well versed enough and, and cause there are a lot of adult cartoons out there. Um, but I'm not that well versed in that sort of, uh, medium. Um, but it's just really impressive that they're able to with it. But to be fair, rebels is intended as a kid show. Um, so to be able to be a kid show and still capture that sort of raw, emotive response is really powerful. It's quite the feat that they've accomplished. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I love this moment. I don't love that Kanan dies, but I love the way he goes out. Um, and like you said, Jason, that entire episode, um, the, the titled Jedi Knight, um, right. You know, the Which entire, should give you an idea as well. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but the entire episode, like you said, the writing is on the wall. Like what's the conversations he's having with Hera, are very much like him saying goodbye. Oh yeah. Um, and right they're they're kind of wrapping everything up. It's the first time she says, I love you to him. Um, he doesn't say it back, but, um, which I still don't like, but that's all right. He shows it. Um, yeah. I think he's said something to that effect in earlier seasons though. He's expressed his feelings for her. That's fair. I don't know if he's actually said those three words. Sure. But you know, I don't know that she has said those three words. I don't think she had. No. Um, no. But yeah, no, it's it's so beautiful. It's so good. Um, and just the way he springs into action. I mean, Kanan has been by far probably my favorite Disney Star Wars character. Like, I prefer him to any of the new movie characters. Um, and it's because he's just... He encapsulates so much of what I loved about certain characters in the old legends canon um, while still being a lot more relevant and exciting than kind of the, than what we got in legends. Um, right. Kanan is just this incredible character and for him to go out like that is just so powerful. And the thing I love in that scene, most of all, of course, is the music. Um, it's that choir. To me, it sounds like they're saying hallelujah. Um, it, it, I don't know if it actually is or isn't, but to me it is, it's like the voice of angels. It's, and it it is, everything is played in a minor key, right? It is very mournful. It's very sorrowful, but at the same time, there is, it's almost as if the, you know, the, the force itself is, is mourning Canaan, but also sanctifying what he's doing, right? There's something so, um, something so, transcendently beautiful in Kanan giving his life. And Kanan's not the first Star Wars character to do this, right? I mean, we've seen, you know, it's all the way back to Ben Kenobi and, and a new hope. Right. Um, 
This is nothing new for Jedi Knights. <laughs> right. The th- but what's impressive is that they're able to make each of these moments uniquely their own, right? Like think of yeah. Luke in Last Jedi. Like he's doing something similar to Kanan, right? He's sacrificing himself for for the cause, right? For something bigger. Um, but each each of these moments is important in their own way. Kanan here is literally saving what he's been fighting for in the entire series of rebels, which is ultimately his family, right? Remember back to season two where Kanan's really pissed that Harris signs them up with the rebellion, right? Like I've been in a war. I don't want to be in a war, right? Like I'd rather just continue to go about the galaxy doing little things to help, you know, the people like, I don't want to be part of an organized rebellion. Right. And and we know that right. that's because we know what Caleb doom went through and Kanan Jarrus does not want to do that again. Um, so for Kanan, to go out this way, I mean, to, to ultimately sacrifice himself for the, for the people that he cared most about. Right. And compare that with Luke's sacrifice in last Jedi, Luke, um, he's not really specifically sacrificing himself for any individual beyond probably Leia. I mean, she's the only one in there that he has a relationship with of any real merit. Um, but he's laying his life down so that he can recapture his legendary status, right? Like he's doing it for that purpose. Um, but Kanan's doing it for something far more personal. Um, and I just, I, I love it. I love it so much. And I love that the music testifies to that, like, um, powerful movement. And I mean, the word sacrifice is a Latin, Latin word, sacrifice, which means to make holy. And that's exactly what Kanan's doing. He's making this moment holy. He's making it so that his family can live on. Um, and they all do. I, I really like that by the way. Like I know I'm skipping yeah. ahead all the way to the end of the, se- the the finale here, but everyone else survives, which I did not see coming. I really thought, I mean, I thought Zeb would definitely, there was a few times in the finale where I was like, Oh, here's where Zeb's going to go out. Right. Oh, like, I know. When he, right. When he's charging in and stuff like that, I'm like, he's going to go down now. Like this is, this is what's going to happen. And I thought if Sabine survived, she'd like go off to Mandalore, which I mean, we learned that she did. Um, but, I oh gosh, it makes me love his sacrifice even more because they all survive. It makes right. it makes the sacrifice fulfilled in a way, right? Like if he did that just to essentially buy them time to die three episodes later, it's not that it loses importance. Like he still he still does something wonderful and powerful, but it's made complete because no one else dies. I think. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going, wait, what? What about Ezra? And well, we'll we'll get to that. Don't worry. Right. Um, and he doesn't die. <laughs> so. He doesn't die. Ezra doesn't die. He's just lost in space. Oh, <laughs> oh. with Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, you know, they're gonna have a lot of fun together. Quite, quite the traveling buddy. Oh my goodness, I can't. Uh, it may. I, I mean, can't. I can't imagine. You know, either of them being happy with that situation. Right. I mean, I, I was, I kind of wanted Thrawn to die in that finale because, like, I hate him. Like, I love that I hate him. Like, you're supposed to kind of hate him. He's so freaking smart. Like, but it's, it, you know, I mean, maybe he does end up dying. Who knows? I, I doubt it. I think they have other plans in store for, for Mr. Thrawn. Um, we have other uses for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's certainly important that he's taken out of the fight, right? Because oh, yeah. I don't think the rebellion would have won so strategically at Endor had Thrawn been there. No, no, that is very true. Um, and and in the uh, the Rebels Recon episode, talking about the finale, uh, Dave Filoni says that they're both still alive. 
right somewhere out out in space. So you know they're that you know we just have to find them. Right. <laughs> well, and also something uh, in that Rebels Recon that Filoni said as well was how at the end of the finale, right? Like the reason the Empire doesn't immediately go back to attack Lothal and retake it is because Scarif happens shortly after, and then whoop, here comes this guy named Luke Skywalker. So the Emperor's distracted. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, when the son of the chosen one shows up, um, that kind of puts so, everything else on the right. back burner for Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just get into this right now because I I don't really care. It's not it's not Do negative. It. Um, but again, I. Right, like, do you remember, like, years ago how we'd always complain, like, oh, I don't like Ezra, he's stupid, right, he's overpowered, like, it makes no sense in the timeline that we have this guy who's, you know, he's basically just a stand-in for Luke Skywalker, um, and I think they did a pretty good job most of this season really leveling Ezra out, um, but the fact that he gets so much personal attention from the Emperor, I still don't love, um, so... It's it's not uh, – he's only getting attention because he's the one who has the connection to Lothal and the connection to the portal. That's fair. That's the, that's the only reason why he's getting attention from the Emperor is – but of course the Emperor has to know who he is in order to manipulate and take advantage of him. So that's why he knows his name. He knows about his parents. you know. But all he wants is Ezra's a key, mm. a key to a door the Palpatine wants open, and that is – all he is to the emperor. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he's just a tool. Yes. Um, ultimately, everybody is to the emperor. But. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone just, you know, sits in his little tool bag and he pulls them out and uses them as needed. And when they break, well, that's too bad. And he'll just replace them with another one, you know? <laughs> right. right. Not if they break, when they break. Because yeah. the way he uses them, they all break. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I do love, like, the, the, the way they wrap up Ezra's story. Um, yeah. it's so good. Uh, you know, one of the things, so that opening shot of Ezra in the finale, well, like the, the first of the two finale episodes where he's just kneeling in meditation, he looks exactly like Kanan. Um, yeah. and which is obviously intentional. Like he has taken on Kanan's mantle as the Jedi Knight of the group. Um, yes. And I, I just I, oh, I I love that. Like I love that Kanan's training has really taken root in Ezra. Um, yeah. And then yeah. you know, and and then you have that wonderful scene where Ezra is talking to the picture of his parents, um, oh, right? Which I know. again, there's nothing more there's nothing more typical of a Star Wars story than involving family, um, right? And I involving love, dead family members, <laughs> right? And and you have Ezra essentially saying that he knows what he's supposed to do. He knows what he has to do. Um, I mean, Ezra in the finale is very much Luke Skywalker of Return of the Jedi in the sense of he's figured out what he's supposed to do. He knows what the Force is calling him to do, and he's going to do it no matter what. Um, yeah. Well, that's also you know directly echoes Kanan in in Jedi Knight, the episode Jedi Knight, because you know you get the idea from the beginning of that episode that Kanan knows what's coming. He's been meditating and he seems to be preparing himself for the moment where he sacrifices himself. And like you said, everything you know, he, everything is kind of about him saying goodbye to you know Hera and that sort of thing. Um, and Ezra, I don't know if he knows exactly how it's all going to go down, but he's prepared for what does happen. 
And, and you're right. It does uh, echo Luke in Return of the Jedi, but it, I think it also, it shows the continued influence and impact Kanan had on Ezra because that's who came or who Ezra's looking up to and modeling himself after now in this moment. Right. Yeah. Um, so how about the, uh, the attack of the loath wolves? <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I, it was a bit scary, honestly. I was like, geez, this is good. This, I mean, I was expecting like, feet to disappear down a throat or something at one point, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I did see in the behind the scenes guide um, on starwars.com that as a joke, uh, the uh, rebels crew, um, instead of, you know, using all the screams and battle sounds made a version of that sequence with just like dog toy squeaks Every time <laughs> bit <laughs> all the stormtroopers are just weak. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Um I kinda wanna see that now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. I thought it was a cool sequence. Uh and it's also highlights um what is one of the more unique qualities of Ezra, and that is his connection to the animals. Mm-hmm. Um his connection, especially his connection to Lothal and the creatures of Lothal. Um, Lothal and he are very closely tied together and, and the creatures of, of his home world uh, respond to that. Yeah. Obviously as we've seen. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it was, I thought it was a fun sequence. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I, I'm still not fully on board with the Loth wolves insofar as, I find them to be too magical and not mi- not mystical. Like there's there's that fine line when it comes to the force of not making it a superpower and also not making it just like magical. And I think the entire existence of the Loth Wolves has I think Filoni went a little too far. Um that's me personally. I know some people absolutely love them and think they're great and that's totally fine. I just um also like wolves. Like there's nothing Star Wars about a wolf at all. <laughs> like that's like it just doesn't work. It's too this worldly. Like yes, they're massive wolves and they have like special powers for sure, but it's a wolf at the end of the day. Um I don't want to see a wolf in a Star Wars thing. Um so I you know, at the end of the day I've I've never liked the loath wolves in um like in so far as a design or even so much as a concept, but I do like what they say about Ezra. Like you said, Jason, like I love that it's just further evidence of how connected Ezra is to the living force, right? The idea that he can connect so well with animals, which we're going to see also at the end of the episode with the, the space whales. Um, I don't know. Pergil. 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 Yep. Okay. Um, right. So Ezra, I, I love what it says about Ezra. I just I just find them silly looking. I mean, I, as soon as those wolves show up, I'm like, Oh, I'm watching game of Thrones. Um, and it's just <laughs> dire wolves. So I don't know. Maybe Dave Filoni is just a huge game of Thrones fan. And he's like, how can I mix these things? <laughs> um, oh, there's a lot of influence from a, a Japanese anime called princess Mononoke. Oh, okay. A, a giant wolf in there. And gotcha. I had to watch it for school. Gotcha. It's weird, but yeah. Yeah. And so again, like I like the concept of like these, like, I don't know, kind of like keeper and watcher character creatures on, on Lothal. I just don't like that they're wolves. Cause again, that's just to this world. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean that but that shot of ezra right when he goes back into the cave which you know the clip we used to start the show you know where's your army and he just you know the wolf's eyes you know show up and the force theme swells and ezra ignites his lightsaber and doesn't say a word yeah (laughs) that's such a great moment um but uh yeah no i mean it's the thing I love about the Loathe Wolves is just like you said, the way it connects Ezra even deeper to to Lethal. And to be fair, Jason, uh, I know I was surprised by this, and I'm curious if you were, but I was surprised at Ezra's way of going out because I really thought Ezra would find himself back on Lethal. The series would end with him just staying on Lethal, and then everyone else, kind of who else, whoever would have survived. Um, going and you know joining either the rebellion or Sabine going back to Mandalore, and Ezra stays on Lethal as kind of the the protector, the watcher. Um, so I was just really surprised when he just shoots off into the unknown regions. Um, that's not what I what I expected for him. Um, it's not what I expected for him either. Honestly, I thought he was dead when that happened. I thought, oh, oh. well, there's. There's no the, – the glass is out in the bridge of the Star Destroyer. They are going to get sucked into space. They are not going to survive hyperspace with that glass door, that you know, the, the, the windshield open. The windshield. Like that. The windshield. <laughs> the, the, I don't know. The, the, they are not going to survive hyperspace. That was my initial thought is that, that th- this is essentially death because they're not going to survive that. But then – Dave Filoni and then uh, Sabine, you know, I'll say, well, he's alive and we get it. We're going to find him. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I also, for starters, I didn't know the windshield was broken. Um, well, but also, it was because it had to be because the, oh, the right. tentacles came through the window. Oh, good point. Yeah. Because well, I was going to say, maybe it just had the, uh, right, like, kind of like in Revenge of the Sith, right? When Grievous breaks the windshield. I'm just going to keep calling it windshield. I love that you called it that. <laughs> but when Grievous breaks the windshield um, at the start of Revenge closes. of the Sith, and it, right in the end, like this, the metal stuff closes. But yeah, if there was any metal awesome. closing, it would have cut off those tentacles. So. Right. Um, Ow. Um, yeah. But, so, but yeah, no, I mean, something like that could have happened or, or there was a shield that held or something. I don't know. Who knows? But um, they can explain that away easily. But yeah, no, I, I was surprised he went out the way he did. Um, I did expect him to stay on Lothal if he survived. Um, and I still think if he, if he had survived or, you know, not disappeared, he probably would have stayed on Lothal. I don't think he would have left uh, because he would have wanted to be there as it rebuilt and renewed and, you know, grass started growing again and the, land healed and that sort of thing. I, and I think he would have been integral to that. Um, so I, I still think he would have stayed if he hadn't disappeared, but um, yeah, it, I guess it did surprise me a little bit that he's alive and he's nowhere near Lothal anymore. <laughs> right. And it doesn't mean he can't come back. Right. Um, Which I think he will. Yeah. Although to be fair, I mean, it seems like um, right with the kind of the, the closing shots where they kind of summarize the rest of the trilogy. Um, it doesn't seem like Ezra's back still. Not not yet. Yeah. But Ahsoka and Sabine are looking for him. Right. Um, Ahsoka thing, and White. Yes. Yes. The thing I really like about Ezra overall, though, now that the like now that the series is over, um, again, the, again, my only my still continued like 
just like kind of grievance with the series in general is just that Ezra in a way is still a little too powerful considering his closeness and proximity to where Luke shows up. Now granted, yes, like he's certainly no Luke Skywalker and he was never going to be. Um, but it's just, it's still just kind of odd to me. That's all like, that's all. Um, it's, it is what it is though. I don't care, but I think Ezra's story is just such a wonderful and complete story. I mean, he's, he's a orphaned kid who sees no real value in his life is adopted into a new family, finds a purpose, you know, figures out this thing that exists within him and how to use, utilize it for good. And ultimately gives, you know, like gives up his life in a way, um, you know, just like a Jedi would to, to, to save, to save those you care about. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a great story arc for Ezra in general. And, um, yeah, I just, I, when he goes out like that and, and the message he leaves for his friends is he knows what he's doing. He's chosen to do this. He's going out on his own terms, which is a very powerful thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in a way like, uh, to, to give it a biblical reference, Ezra is very much like the character Abraham, right? And, and Genesis 12, when God shows up and he's like, Hey, I'm going to take you to this place you've never been before. Um, but I promise it's going to be great. And he's just like, okay. Um, <laughs> follows along. Um, I mean, Ezra in a way, right? Like it's clearly the force that's leading him to make all these decisions. And it's essentially saying, I'm going to take you again. This is not where we as an audience and probably Ezra as a character expected to be. He probably saw his, in his mind, my future is on Lothal. This is where I'm going to make a, you know, make a life and make a name for myself. But the force has other plans for him. Um, and yeah. if you think about it, Thrawn is one of the biggest threats um, for the Empire. I mean, in a way that even Vader isn't. Yes, like Vader's scary and deadly, but Thrawn is a mastermind. Um, oh, yeah. And Ezra is taking one of the biggest threats to the Rebellion's chances for victory. He's taking that out of the picture. Right. Yeah, he completely sidelines Thrawn for the entire Galactic Civil War, which... If if not completely, you know, opens up the the pathway to victory for the rebels, it at least makes it a whole lot easier with a whole lot less loss of life. Um, uh, but you know, Thrawn is a deadly mind, um, and they're almost more scary. Um, in you know, he's almost more scary in that respect than Vader is in his command of the Force and his just sheer intimidation. Right. Um, but you know, it, Ezra at the end is not intimidated by him. Not in the least, not in the least. And so he's like, you know, Thrawn says, um, as, as things are powering up and everything's about to go down, he says, you know, what happens to me will happen to you. You do realize this. And Ezra goes, that's the idea. That's the plan, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Ezra knows full well what he's doing and he's fully prepared to make the choices that he's making. And it's really fantastic. Honestly, uh, you know, for the longest time during this series, Kanan has been my favorite character, like mm. bar none, hands down. He still probably is overall my favorite character from rebels. Um, but this last half of season four has made me love Ezra in a way that I never anticipated. 
Ezra has risen so high um, as a character for me in this last part of season four that frankly it shocked me. And and I, I told you this right before we started recording, um, Carl, that as as everything's powering up and he's about to you know take off into the unknown with the Purgle and Thrawn, um, I sat back in my chair and said, "Damn you, Ezra Bridger, for making me care so much." <laughs> I literally said that out loud. Um, and, <laughs> and honestly, I still feel that way. I was like, why? I, this is a kid I didn't anticipate ever like developing a close attachment to as a character. He's just another, you know, character in this show. And I, he's a fun character. I liked him and all, but he's not someone I anticipated ever reaching the level of investment I had in him. Um, Kanan, absolutely. Hera, definitely. The Bendu, well, he's just got a soft spot in my heart. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Ezra was not one that I anticipated, you know, carving out a a spot in my my fandom as entrenched as he is. Um, So, yeah, no. Good on you, Dave Filoni. Good on you, Ezra Bridger, for for sucking me in and, and making me care. So... Yeah, no, I mean the finale. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I mean, the finale is what made me really like Ezra. I mean, I've never. Well, yes. I mean, if you listen to old episodes of ours, you will find that I once hated Ezra. <laughs> um, That's uh, true. I no longer hate Ezra. Um, he'll never be a favorite character of mine, but I at least really appreciate how they wrapped up his story because at the end of the day, the, the series Rebels was Ezra's story. Um. And I love the way they come. I mean, he gets a hero's journey. He, you know, he comes to full fruition and as, as, has his own character. Um, and I think that works so well and, and so beautifully. Um, one other thing I really want to mention, um, I mean, there's so many like specific little things in the finale, but I, I don't think that's the purpose of this episode is to go into minute detail. But no. that scene with Ezra where he's his temptation scene, right? With the emperor. Um, I was initially I was like really shocked. I'm like, why is Palpatine looking so, you know, suave and why does he look so handsome? And right, <laughs> it's clearly just uh, um, him manipulating the hologram because Palpatine doesn't really have a nice lush head of hair anymore. And he certainly doesn't have a, you know, just wrinkly face. He's got a deformed face. Right. Um, He's scarred and deformed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I love that he does this as a way of, you know, again, it just, it seems like a way of trying to connect with Ezra. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is the thing that this scene immediately made me think of, um, was my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is called end of days. And, uh, it's a movie that came out in 1999. It's about, it's supposed to be like the end of the millennium. And, and basically Arnold fights the devil, like the devil takes on the, takes on the flesh and, Satan is roaming the earth and trying to, you know, cause the end of the world and and Arnold has to fight him. And there's a scene in the movie where the devil tempts Arnold specifically like one-on-one and what he ultimately tempts Arnold with Arnold's character has, you know, his wife and daughter were murdered um, by like, he was a cop by a gang that he testified against. So they, you know, murder his family. So the devil shows up and says, I can make this like it never happened. And he, essentially promises like if you give me what i want i'll give you everything you're missing i'll give you everything you've always wanted 
um, that was taken from you. And I, as soon as this scene st- it starts, I'm like, oh my God, this is end of days. Does Dave Filoni also love this movie like me? Um, <laughs> and I guarantee there's not meant to be any connection, but it's literally the exact same thing. And I know that's, that's in and of itself not something uniquely new to these types of movies. I mean, you've got all sorts of temptation scenes throughout the history of cinema, probably very similar to this. Um, but I just, I mean, I love it because it's made so special too, because of that little moment with Ezra, you know, talking to the picture of his parents and, and, and admitting that he has a new family now and he's afraid of what's going to happen for them. He's not afraid for himself. He's afraid what's going to happen for them. And he loves that family and he's going to do whatever he can to, to make things right. And he's also going to finish what his family started, which is essentially the liberation of Lothal. Mm-hmm. Um, so here you have the emperor who is tempting with Ezra with the very thing he wants, but it's not real. And Ezra knows that and he rejects that. And I think that's just such a, it's a huge moment for Ezra. Um, I think we know he's not going to do it, but it's so, so good that Ezra makes the decision of, um, you know, and I love when he says like, it's, uh, you know, I love you guys, but I have to let you go. Um, and it, Oh, it's so it's such a great moment, it's such a powerful scene because yeah. again, it's very Star Wars. Um, you know, having to let go of old ways of doing things, old ways of believing, old ways of wanting things, so that something new can, you know, arise. I mean, this is such a common theme in Star Wars, and it's a huge theme of Last Jedi, a theme that a lot of people didn't like. But to be fair, you know what? It's not the first time we heard that theme. It's also in The Empire Strikes Back on Learn What You Have Learned constantly. Yoda's saying that. Oh, yeah. right? So this idea that we have to let go of of even good things. right? For Ezra, this is a good thing. He's letting go of a, a connection to his family, but his family's not just – it's just not there anymore. So he, he's built a new family. He's not going to cave and give in to something that's not real. Um, and yeah. I love that. And it also shows – the strength of the family that he has developed um, and, and the connections that they have made as a family unit, you know, Hera, Kanan, Zeb, Sabine, Chopper, Ezra, that, that family unit is one that is so tightly knit at this point that I think if it hadn't been, if this temptation happened at the end of season one, I think Ezra would have given in. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things, maybe even season two, you know, because that's when he, you know, finds out that his parents um, had been alive up until his his big speech, right. um, uh, you know, so it just goes to show that the the power of this family, the power of of family really is able to to help shape that. And it's not something that Palpatine can ever understand because he's alone. He likes it. He likes being alone at the top. He doesn't want threats, uh, but he doesn't care. He doesn't empathize and he doesn't have a family and he doesn't want one. But so it's not something he can understand. He he knows that people want their loved ones back, but only in an intellectual way. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't right. understand the connections. And, and that is why he failed, you know, um, it makes Ezra think for a moment, but Ezra's resolve is strong and his family, his other family, his ghost family, they mean so much more to him 
than this temptation could ever, you know, surpass. Right. To quote a uh, Timothy Zahn Star Wars novel, his connection to his current family is far more powerful than the specters of the past. (laughs) That's a Thrawn novel. There you Um, go. But uh, yeah, you know, it's... um, it's, it's it's just such a great moment and um yeah and i appreciate uh like how you pointed out because i didn't fully understand why like why is the emperor giving him such personal attention but it's like you said it's it's not he has no interest in ezra at all it's just simply he needs somebody to open this door for him because he can't right um and then he would obviously just toss ezra aside oh yeah instantly you know he would trap ezra in his own fantasy and he would live out the rest of his days there, you know, it would be nice, but you know, nothing would ever happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the fact though, that this, this finale ends with essentially a coda, right. Yes. Um, that tells us where everybody went. I mean, to be fair, um, nobody really gets much development in the finale besides Ezra. Um, right. Hera's the same character. Zeb doesn't. Zeb doesn't really change at all in the entire series. To be fair, uh, a little bit. That's not. That's not entirely true. He he goes through some minor changes. Um, yeah. Sabine's character development seems to be done. I mean, she gets a lot of it earlier on, but she's not developed at all in the finale. Um, you know, so for I think fans of like some of the, like the side characters besides Ezra and Kanan, I could see some people maybe being a little disappointed by the finale because no one gets any sort of development outside of Ezra. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's fine. They don't necessarily need it. It's about Ezra. It's about his story ending. Um, so I I don't knock it for that, but I only say that to say like, that's why I don't feel the need to like jump into being like, Oh, well let's talk about Sabine's story in the finale or Kara's there. There really isn't, there really isn't one. Their story is at least the goodness is that their story is ultimately united in doing what Ezra wants, which is freeing Lothal, right? Like yeah. that's how the beginning of the finale starts, right? Hera goes and they meet up with Hondo and, you know, old, the old wolf pack. And they ultimately say, we're going to liberate Lothal. Yes. We're not doing this via the rebellion. We're doing this for Ezra. Yeah. Um, and I like that, right? Like he's become their de facto leader, especially now that Kanan's gone. Um, he's commander Bridger. I mean, he's obviously got a rank in the rebellion. Um, but ultimately, the story of Sabine, Hera, Chopper, Zeb, you know, all of their story is ultimately in support of Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's that's true. Um, so it's kind of nice that we do get this coda, which kind of gives us a little bit more of what happened afterwards. Um, and uh, I appreciated it a lot. Um, I love uh, that Zeb takes Callus to Lyrasan. I, I, that was special to me for whatever reason. Um, and he, you know, introduces Callus to the rest of the Lasats, which of course, as we, we found out very early on, Callus believes he's, you know, exterminated the, oh, nearly the entire race for the empire. Um, something that he has come to regret. Um, which I, I thought was nice. Um, we find out that, uh, Kanan and Hera had a son. Yeah. Named Jason. Um, yep, Jason. So, uh, you know, spelled like Jason Solo, not right. Jason Hunt. Um, 
So I'm a little miffed, but it's Star <laughs> Wars spelling, so I'll I'll let it slide. Um <laughs> uh and they they do say that Hera fought um at Scarif and Endor and all that stuff, so they, you know, she's been very involved with the rebellion um throughout the the civil the galactic civil war. Um and now it's time to to raise Jason right. Um <laughs> Which and th- there's a picture on the Star Wars uh, the the episode guide here on on StarWars.com and choppers, you know, trying to keep Jason entertained with his little mandible things, his little arms. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, and then of course Sabine says that you know uh, she kind of stick stuck around and helped watch over Lothal for Ezra. She kept an eye on Lothal for him, you know as it rebuilt. Yeah. And she's, you know, recounting this all from his tower, which has been fixed up, you know? Right. So I thought that was cool, but, but she comes to realize that he's still out there and she meets up with Ahsoka, the white, you know, um, and, and they're going to go off and find him. Um, I kind of like what they've done with Ahsoka. You know, they've, they've definitely, kept her away from rejoining the Jedi. You know, she has left that path and she's not going back. Um, and she's kind of becoming this, <laughs> this Gandalf figure, which is really cool. So, right. Right. Um, so what did, what did you think of the coda? I liked it. Um, I thought it, I, I was a little surprised by it. Um, but but I did. I liked it a lot because it just yeah it it touches us touch, taps us into what happened to all the characters, and explains how they were and weren't involved in you know our original trilogy right. I mean obviously I mean, we certainly see the ghost at the Battle of Scarif. Um, we don't see it at Endor at all. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't out there with the fleet. Um, it could have just shown up later. I don't know. Um, or she's flying something else, right? She we have been. seen her pilot starfighters. Yep. Well, that's exactly true. She that one episode doesn't she fly a B wing? Yeah, maybe she led the B wing squad. Yeah, right. And with those, we never see the B wings um, in Return of the Jedi. Sadly, I mean, we see them in oh. promo shots, but we oh no, we do see them in a couple. Like we see them like as they but fly, but not really in, in the dogfighting. Exactly. Which is disappointing. Right. Um, well, they're bombers, not really going to be dogfighting. No. Um, right. So, um, but yeah, like, oh, and, and, and she does mention that Rex was, was present at the battle of Endor too. Right. So, so now it's basically been confirmed that that bearded guy with Han Solo's team is Rex. Yes. Um, which, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with too, even though it makes literally no sense because he would be like a hundred odd years old. Let's not forget as you know, the clones were made to age twice, twice as fast. Well, I guess that's not true because at the end of the clone wars, he would have been like 40 something. So this is. 20 years later. Yeah, I guess, I guess you can work it. He'd be old, but all right, never mind. <laughs> um, but I do like that. They, yes, obviously they've retconned that to make it, um, to make it Rex. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, but like you said, that's so great that Sabine now, um, now that the war's over and things are kind of at peace, she meets up with Ahsoka who is, you know, kind of like this sage character and they're going to go on a quest to find Ezra. Yeah. And essentially they're like, here's, you're going to be your next Star Wars 
animated series, which I, was, I, I don't think so. It could be. I, I mean, I still really want like a series that follows the big three after return of the Jedi. Um, I, I think, I think Dave, as much as he has unfinished stories to tell, because he's always got more stories to tell. Um, I think he's already planning to step away from these characters for a while. Um, in so much as, as he, you know, stepped away from Ahsoka during Rebels. He brought her back, but, you know, Ahsoka was his baby during Clone Wars, and he had to, you know, develop a new cast of characters. So it's, I think it's entirely possible, um, and then likely, I think, that we, we will get something set between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Um, I think it will focus on a new cast of characters, but I think we could see, you know, Sabine and Ezra and maybe even Ahsoka show up. You know, but I, I, I don't think it will feature them heavily. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in a way like that, 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 uh, that comparison of, of how Ahsoka shows up. Ahsoka is, like you said, Dave Filoni's baby and she is, she's, you know, in a way the central character of the Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's, but Rebels is not her story. So again, no. it, it like we don't need to take a ton of time exploring her. Um, because it's not her story. The story I, of Rebels is the story of Ezra, and that story has reached its conclusion. Yeah. And I think Ahsoka is probably in 10, maybe 12 episodes tops for the whole series. You know, it's it's not a lot overall, you know. Yeah. So, and that includes very minor appearances like, you know, at the end of season one where she's like, I'm Ahsoka Tano, you know. There you go. I'm Fulcrum. Right. <laughs> so... Right, <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, anything else you want to bring up for the finale? No, you know, not at this time. Like again, I just I, I right before we recorded, I rewatched it one more time just to have it kind of fresh in my head. But I feel like I, I hit all the things I really wanted to talk about, which essentially are all about Ezra. And it, it, it's they did such a great job of completing his story. Um, yeah, and I really love it. Like, and, and everything makes sense. Like the way. They they settle all the characters, um, and it makes me really happy that they're all still alive after the. Well, I mean, I guess we don't know for certain they're all still alive after the Battle of Endor, but it seems to be implied that they are, right? Like it seems like, I don't know if um, you know, like Callus and Zeb stay on the planet where the Lasat are or not. No, um, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to come back to the galaxy afterwards, but it's a nice gesture, right? So, I mean, all of these characters are essentially still together. Um, but the heart of the, the heart of that family is gone, right? Kanan's dead and Ezra's gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I love the way that it ended though. It's, it's really bittersweet. It is. It is. And I, I am glad that they got to end it the way they wanted to, uh, the way that they didn't get to end clone wars. Um, but like you, I think they could have extended it just a little bit longer and still gotten away with it. Um, but I, it is it is a perfect ending for what they were telling, for the story they were telling. And and I'm I'm glad that we got to to see that. And I'm glad that we got to witness that conclusion, um, not necessarily to the characters, but to the story. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. 
There we go. So our, our thoughts on the series finale of Star Wars Rebels. We'll probably end up going back and talking more about some of the other stuff as you know things progress as we go back and rewatch it every so often. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but Carl, what we do have planned coming up next is we have a little announcement that we want to do here uh, at the end of the show for for a little little something something that we did last year that we might be bringing back. Yeah, and also, by the way, do you realize that when we were finishing this up last year, we were at Celebration? It's been almost yes. a year. It's been almost a year since Celebration. It's, it has been almost a year since Celebration. Dear Lord. I know. Crazy. I need to see your, your scruffy face again. It's not um, that scruffy. Scruffy looking nerf herder. Who's scruffy um, looking? Well, me, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but what are we doing? Well, so once again, it appears that StarWars.com will not be running This Is Madness this year. Um, I mean, all signs point towards no because nothing's been announced yet. And I mean, to be fair, March Madness starts Thursday of this week and we're already halfway through March. So it doesn't seem like they're going to be doing their This Is Madness tournament. So once again, we are going to run one here at the Wampas Lair um, because we had so much fun doing this last year. Um you know, yeah, we had some we had some naysayers early on, but that's mainly because the internet is full of jerks. So, right. Um, but uh, yeah, be that as it may, it was so much fun to run that and and give people an opportunity to participate in something that has been ex- was extremely popular for four straight years. I don't know why they don't do it anymore. Um, but that's all right. StarWars.com will pick up your slack free of charge. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, now, maybe, granted, maybe if you are recording this on Tuesday, so and March Madness doesn't officially start till Thursday, so maybe they'll put it up before the weekend. Who knows? Um, right. But as of right now, doesn't look like it. So we're gonna do it ourselves. We're gonna say, "Hold my blue milk," and we're gonna do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and to be obviously like so, like Jason said, we're recording this on on Tuesday as always, but. Uh, when this drops, I mean, if for some reason they go ahead and launch it, we're obviously not going to bother doing it because um, you don't need two of these things. Um, but our guess is that they're not doing it again this year. So we'd like to. But something we'd like to do a little bit different from what we did last year. So obviously last year, Jason, and I just came up with a bunch of characters, put together a bracket and psh, there we go. We put, threw it out there. But this year, what we'd love to hear from from all of you who are listening is we'd love for you to give us the names of some characters that you really want to see in the tournament. Um, and again, like just like the This Is Madness tournament, obviously, this is not like how Jason and I typically do matchups, right? Like it's not like, oh, you know. Kanan versus Darth Vader, who's going to win? Obviously, Darth Vader. But, um, you know, or Kanan versus, I don't know, Ray. Like, well, to be fair, I don't know who would win. Probably Ray. Although, maybe Kanan. Um, Depends Ray, on what what level we're talking about for both characters. <laughs> that's a good point. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, this this is ultimately a popularity contest. <laughs> you know, which character do you prefer? Or whatever. You just vote for whatever reason you want to. But... Last year, like I said, we came up with all the characters, so we would love your input this year about any particular characters you'd love to see in there. And the the plan is to start this um, on Monday of next week, which is what's that date, Jason? That is the let me nineteenth, uh, Monday the nineteenth. Okay, so Monday the nineteenth, we will run this for the the last two weeks of March, and then start the finals that first week of April, right after Easter. Um, 
So, you know, give us some characters. I, I, we don't have a ballpark figure yet of how many we can have. Prob- do you remember how many we started with last year? I don't know. We can do this off the air. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out a little bit more off the air. But, but yes. all you need to know is just feel free to send us the names of some characters you'd love to see. Maybe characters we missed last year or characters they've never even had in these tournaments. Like, I know I've always wanted Panaka. He's never been in it. I've, you know, I've always wanted Captain Tarfles. I don't think he's ever been in it. No. Um, you know, so, so if we just do like uh, an entire bracket full of captains. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, so the only the only stipulation I might say that we may want to steer clear from, and not out of like any disrespect for legends, but I'd prefer not getting any old legends characters, only because um, there's just so darn many um, that yeah. I think it, it could just easily turn into like a legends character tournament, and it's not that I have anything against that. Um, I love a lot of the old Legends characters, don't get me wrong. But just for the sake of space and time, let's just stick this to canonical characters that yeah. we've got. Let's stick with, with characters from the films and the TV shows. We don't we don't need the ex- expanded material characters from the books and comics because not many people are going to know who those are, you know, other than, you know, people like us. Um, and so, so-, so much to my friend Ben's chagrin, that means no Dr. Afra. Keep that garbage out of our tournament. <laughs> <laughs> although, although what was it, Mister Bones from the um, the Aftermath books? Uh, he might have been fun, uh, uh, yeah, but true. no, we're not going to put Mister Bones in here. Yeah, and to be fair, I have nothing really wrong with Doctor Afro. I've only I've never read any of her comic series that she's had, but I remember when she was first introduced in the Vader comic, I just found it a I found her to be a ridiculous character, mainly a ridiculous character who would Vader would employ. That's all. So not specific to the character, but I found it preposterous that Vader would be paling around with someone like that. She kind of forced herself on him. To be perfectly honest. Nobody um, forces themselves on Vader though. That's my problem. No. Well, so he's Vader. No, not going to happen. He'll crush her throat in like a second and be done with it. Find someone better. Cause there's plenty. <laughs> well, she did say, Hey, look, if you don't want me just kill me, you know? So she's like, but make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. So she um, she is insane. So yeah. But we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But uh yeah, so obviously like yeah, just any big movie or TV series characters that you you would like to have included in the matchup, um send them along and you know, obviously feel free to send like the big 3, send, you know, Ray and Kylo like the big names are fine too. So, yeah. Um and of course I want to get some of those big names in there again. I don't care that they've been in it. Every year. Right. Right. And so we'll, we will, you know, make, you know, compile everything and ultimately we will make the decision as to who gets in, but we do want your suggestions. And if there's, you know, a minor character that gets quite a few suggestions, we'll do our best to get them in there. So, uh, we'll also post this on our social media. So Facebook, Twitter, you can email those in too, but you know, we'll compile them from those sources. So Carl, you got anything else before we start winding this episode down? No, that's it for me. I'm I'm excited that we're going to be starting that tournament again. So me too. Well, if anybody wants to weigh in on the Rebels finale, and if they want to, you know, put in their suggestions for our this is madness tournament, where can they do that exactly? I know I mentioned them, but where exactly can they do that? Um, obviously, on our Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Wampazler Podcast. We're on Twitter at Wampazler. Our email is wampazlerpodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, and as always, if you want to support the show, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to unlock some fun bonus features as well. Excellent. Now, we shall tempt you with another episode of The Wampus Lair, but really, that's next week. Um, so... <laughs> So that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you everyone so much for listening. This has been episode number 273, Rebels Finale. For Carl, I am Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. <laughs> <laughs>